Welcome everybody to another edition of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing on this Thursday? Oh, I am so excited to be here. This is Divisional Round Weekend in the National Football League. And I am your host, Richard Holdridge. Back and better than ever, the Chattahoochee Valley's only five-day-a-week podcast. And also, just to remind everybody that we are broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, right after Rod Peterson and right before Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. Such a potent lineup for the Noonan market. And I have been doing this show on WQEE for almost a year now. In fact, I'm approaching my one-year anniversary. I do not have a guest today. I know. I'm doing the show by myself. You know, the guests fluctuate. Because I'm pretty flexible. Anytime that a known sports media personality in the Chattahoochee Valley, or it could be anywhere because I get my college buddies here on the show every now and then. Anytime you want to be on the show, you just hit me up and I will get you on the show. I mean... I had my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank on just about every day. And for those of you who don't know where Corey is, he is actually taking on a job up in Madison, Wisconsin. I wish him nothing but the best of luck. I'll try to get him on every now and then. I mean, we could still do a show together now that he's up in Wisconsin. But probably not going to call any games with him anymore with him being up in Wisconsin. And I had a pretty good working relationship with Corey. We did a great job calling football games. High school football game of the week for the CW Jabama. There's a lot of great memories. And that led to filling in on fantastic Friday night football game of the week on 95.7 ESPN Radio. And I was hoping to get him on the broadcast with me calling games for the Columbus Rapids. But hey, I might have a new broadcast partner. Eric Steinhauser might be joining me up in the booth calling Columbus Rapids games this season. So if all goes planned, I plan on having my broadcast colleague from the Defense Information School, Jenny Fisher, on the show tomorrow so we can just talk 49ers-Cowboys pretty much the whole time. She is a lifelong San Francisco 49ers fan. And I enjoy it every time she comes on the show. She hasn't been on the show for a while. But she was one of my frequent guests in the beginning of the Sports Beat. And she's also a graduate of the Defense Information School out of Fort Meade, Maryland. A military broadcaster just like myself, including, hey, fun fact, Rex Castillo from WRBL also graduated from the Defense Information School. And that's how Rex and I built that connection is he can relate to what I went through as a military broadcaster. And it really is a great school, a prestigious school that gives you a lot of discipline when it comes to broadcasting. And I have just been truly blessed that I was a part of the Denfos family. And once a 46 Romeo, always a 46 Romeo. I have to admit, a little nervous about this game on Sunday. I will get into all the divisional round matchups, but I do want to let all my listeners know that this podcast is being broadcasted out of Columbus, 
And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Christie's Cafe, the Man in the Mirror podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. I got sponsors everywhere in the state of Georgia. And I'm really excited about this show. One of the reasons why I enjoy doing this show when I come on without a guest is because I get to just show off my personality. I love sports broadcasting. I've been doing this for many years. Yeah, I took a little bit of a break right after college, joined the military, deployed twice, started a family. I'm back. And the opportunities to do broadcasting have been there. And I have just taken advantage of it. And I've been truly blessed. And I get to talk about sports. This is something that I love doing. And it's always a big deal when I'm passionate about something. And many of you know I'm passionate about my San Francisco 49ers. I won't consume the show with just 49ers cowboy stuff. And there is still a lot of stuff to talk about. Especially around the Chattahoochee Valley. Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars fall to Lander on the road. The Columbus River Dragons trying to snap a two-game losing streak against Carolina this weekend at the Columbus Civic Center. And the Columbus Rapids, first game in the NISL this Friday night against the Memphis Americans. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to break down that game as well. The games, because you got the men and the women. And then I'm going to bring Jenny Fisher here on the show shortly. But before we get into all of that, Man, how are you doing on this soggy morning here in the Fountain City? I really am excited to bring you sports. I really am excited. So Monday I did not have a show because it was MLK Day. I mean, I was out of town. I couldn't really get a show together. So you listen to a best of show. Tuesday was a very special show because I had Gabe Reynolds and Rob Frazier on the show. And I'm super excited to announce the Gabe Reynolds podcast that is coming soon. I raised my hand. I volunteered. I said, Gabe, I want to be a producer on your show. I think it's going to be fascinating. He's going to have wonderful guests, and I can't wait for that to come out. And that might even play here on this radio station. So be on the lookout for the Gabe Reynolds podcast. And Gabe Reynolds is a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan, but I'm not going to hold that against him. His show on Tuesday, like his take on the Dallas Cowboys is fascinating. And I'm going to break down that game. But we do have some action in the NBA last night. How about those Atlanta Hawks? You know, I've been skeptical. I've been written off the Hawks, especially when they don't have all their pieces. They get a huge road victory. And then the controversy just goes back and forth. Who won the Luka Trey Young trade? Well, I mean, obviously Luka is one of the best players in the world. And Trey Young, when he is healthy, you know, they say, well, he doesn't play defense. You know, Trey Young had a couple steals. DeJounte Murray with 30 points. The Atlanta Hawks get a very impressive road victory over the Dallas Mavericks, 130-122 to 122 on national TV. And they are riding a four-game win streak. I look at their schedule. Looks pretty easy. I think the Atlanta Hawks could get some games, and their goal is to avoid the playing game. Try to get a number six seed, avoid the playing game, and maybe... Sneak a win. If you get hot at the right time, the Hawks could get into playoffs. And I think they could beat a Philly. I think they could beat a Brooklyn team if Kevin Durant is hobbled. There are some very talented teams in the Eastern Conference, like the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. But I'm not going to hold that against the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, I still think 
I think they're better than Cleveland. I think they're better than Miami, and I think they're better than the Knicks. In fact, that's who they play next at State Farm Arena this Friday night, taking on the New York Knicks. The landscape of the NBA really is fascinating because the defending NBA champs, the Golden State Warriors, have been hobbled. I actually thought the Warriors would be a lot better, especially with their young, promising players like Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody and Andrew Wiggins. They have some great pieces. Steph Curry is back. The Warriors right now are 22-22. and They are 7th place. I think that they get into the play-in game, but can the Warriors knock off a Denver Nuggets in the first round? Can they knock off a Memphis Grizzlies team? Warriors are such a much better team playing at the Chase Center. And so that is something I'm looking forward to seeing when it comes NBA playoff times. Hey, we haven't even reached the halfway point in the NBA season because we do have the NBA All-Star game coming up. Probably the biggest surprise in the NBA is the Sacramento Kings, and they move up into that third-place position. What a game late last night defeating the Los Angeles Lakers 116-111. to And I tell you, that championship pedigree that Harrison Barnes had when he won a title with the Golden State Warriors in 2015, I think that that is helping. Sacramento has some nice pieces, including former Laker Malik Monk, and I just love the dynamic duo of the two All-Stars, De'Aaron Fox and Domitatus Sabonis. Hey, Sabonis didn't even play in this game. And the Sacramento Kings were able to get the victory thanks to De'Aaron Fox's 31 points. And I tell you what, even though LeBron with 32 points, none of the starters were in double figures. You had Russell Westbrook with 19 points off the bench. He's still shooting at a very high volume percentage, and he doesn't shoot threes. That could be the Lakers' Achilles heel is they don't have any three-point shooters and I'm telling you, the Grizzlies, big win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, 115-114. to 114. The Memphis Grizzlies, the hottest team in the NBA, they have won 11 games, but they're still a half game behind the Denver Nuggets, who've won eight. Who wants to win the overall number one seed in the Western Conference? The NBA is fascinating. College basketball is fascinating. I think that the Houston Cougars are the best team in all of college basketball, but I talk about the Georgia Bulldogs here on this show. And even though Georgia lost to Kentucky, rightfully so, I mean, they were winning for most of that game, 85-71 to on Tuesday night. Man, oh, man, the Georgia Bulldogs 13-5. and Mike White has got to be coach of the year in the SEC. I think Georgia gets the win over Vanderbilt. I mean, if they beat Vanderbilt and South Carolina at home, and that's – you look at their schedule in the month of January, that's – 15 wins right there, and we're not even in February. I think they lose to Tennessee, so they would be 15-6 and six going into the month of February. Georgia's a bubble team. Georgia can sneak into the NCAA tournament if they can get at least 18-19 wins. And I know that the question is, what about the quality wins? I thought that maybe the Notre Dame game would be a quality win. Auburn is a quality win. I mean, beating Ole Miss on the road. I mean, it's impressive, but the Georgia Bulldogs and their turnaround – has been the most fascinating story in SEC basketball this year. And I'm not even talking about Alabama. The Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team might be the best team in college basketball. And Joe Lenardi and a bunch of bracketologists got them projected to be an overall number one seed. Well, at least a number one seed. I think that Houston is going to be the overall number one seed. And then the biggest rivalry in the state of Kansas, I and mean, this is really the only rivalry in the state of Kansas, 
Kansas State gets the big one-point win over the defending NCAA champion Kansas Jayhawks. What a game in Manhattan. I know there's a lot of sports going on. I mean, you got the Australian Open. I'm not really much of a tennis fan. Barcelona took on Real Madrid. I kind of wish that Eric Taylor can get on the show so we could talk about it. I have the live show. We actually changed locations. It was at Girls, Inc. down in South Columbus. I normally have the live show at Ivy. And that was a nice venue because, you know, the, the girls team and the boys team had to practice. And so we got them on the show. And that was a very successful show. And don't forget, we have the live show coming up. It's going to go back to Ivy Tuesday nights. We're going to recap that Columbus Rapids Memphis Americans game. It is going to be this Friday night, the first game in the NISL year two. I'm getting hyped up about this. Corey Adamson, the player coach for the Memphis Americans, reached out to me. I've talked to the commissioner of the NISL, Andrew Haynes. I am excited. I just want to promote this league, and I want to promote the Columbus Rapids here on this show as they look to shock the world. Coming out like gangbusters in those friendlies, and I think that the Memphis Americans is the team to beat. They have the target on their back. The women's team won the championship. The men's team were the runners-up. And it should be a very exciting time in the NISL. We're going to have a watch party at Wild Wing Cafe this Friday night at 8 o'clock. You know, some people are reaching out to me, asking me if I'm going to go to this watch party. I'm, I don't know. I mean, I got some obligations this weekend. And, I, you know, I'm trying to make sure the kids get put to bed. And, you know, it's going to be challenging for me to try to go to this watch party. I mean, how could the Rapids announcer not go to this watch party? But I will definitely be watching it on YouTube as Jeff Brightwell and Tim Van Horn do a phenomenal job. Probably the best tandem when it comes to soccer announcers in the NISL. I have not quite got my niche yet, that broadcasting partner. I was hoping it would be Matt Austin, but he is the photographer for the Columbus Rapids. I really just enjoy calling indoor soccer and even though I didn't start out as a soccer guy, I really found my niche, and I just love the team. And hopefully they can get the road victory up at the Lander Center this Friday. Hey, the Columbus River Dragons are back in action at the Columbus Civic Center for a two-game series against the Carolina Thunderbirds. You know they lost two straight games to Carolina up in North Carolina, and Columbus is trying to bounce back. we got to pack the Columbus Civic Center, because the Columbus River Dragons have got to get the victory over their longtime hated rival. It was nice to see Zach DeBozart in action calling the game, and that really brought back a lot of memories. But the Columbus River Dragons, led by their leading goal scorer, Jacob White, Brendan Coolgan, who had a tough outing in those two games against Carolina, trying to bounce back, and Columbus have got to get the victories over the Carolina Thunderbirds, who are making a push. They're in third place in the Continental Division in the Federal Prospects Hockey League, and we've got to stop the bleeding and snap a two-game losing streak. You know I talk local sports here on this show. i got to give a shout-out to the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars. They're having a pretty good season. However, they had a very tough road matchup against Lander up in Greenwood, South Carolina in a Peach Belt Conference game. 
The Columbus State Cougars, they fall to Lander 86-51. Lander is a very good team. 13-4 on the year, 5-2 in the Peach Belt. The Columbus State Cougars fall to 9-8 overall and 2-5 in Peach Belt play. They are back in action at the Lumpkin Center this Saturday afternoon at 3.30, taking on North Georgia College. As far as the Columbus State Lady Cougars, what a heartbreaking loss to Lander last night. It was a thrilling 58-57 to loss to Lander. And the Columbus State Lady Cougars fall to 9-6 overall, 4-3 in the Peach Belt, while Lander improves to 6-10 and 3-4 in the Peach Belt. And the Lady Cougars will be back in action against North Georgia. At the Lumpkin Center, tip-off will be at 1.30 Saturday afternoon. And as always, you can listen to the games on 88.5 WCUG. Scott Miller on the broadcast. Probably Nelson Haskin might join him for the broadcast for the women's game. Don't forget that tomorrow I am going to have my high school basketball show. I'm going to reveal a new top 10 in East Alabama and a new top 10 in West Georgia. Valley just continues winning on the men's side. 20-0. and 0. Are they going to be my new number one team in East Alabama? Well, you know, maybe Auburn might be number one. They have a couple of losses. The St. Ampicelli Vikings, they get their 20th victory beating Heritage last night. So there, there's a lot to cover when it comes to high school basketball as we are getting closer and closer to the playoffs. Hey, Russell County got a big win over Park Crossing. This was a huge region game. And I really, I have to admit, I miss PA announcing for Russell County. I just can't do it anymore. It is hard to have to go to Russell County. It's a 45-minute drive, and a lot of their games are on Tuesday nights, and I have the live show at Ivy and then at Girls, Inc. uh, this past Tuesday night. So a lot of high school basketball games are being played on Tuesday night. And I actually, instead of calling games on the weekends, I've been spending a lot of time with my family on the weekends. I mean, we went out of town for MLK Day, and I know that that would have been an opportunity to call some games. But I've reached out to several athletic directors. I've reached out to the sports information director at Columbus State. I am willing to fill in on my own schedule. I have got to be completely freed up, and I'm willing to do it. But if I have an obligation with something else, definitely with the Rapids and definitely with family obligations, I mean, that is always going to come first. But I have to admit, I miss it. Russell County is doing great. I think the girls' team is really improved. They got the win over Park Crossing as well. And they might be jumping up in my rankings on tomorrow's show. You don't want to miss it. All right. I have to talk about Joseph Martinez. I know I don't want to talk about Joseph Martinez. So he's leaving Atlanta United. He is the most decorated and best player that Atlanta United has ever had. I actually thought he was going to be a member of Atlanta United for life. He's only 29 years old. He is in the prime of his career. Joseph Martinez is going to sign with Inter-Miami for the upcoming 2023 MLS season. And that team that won the MLS Cup in 2018, you know, I was so excited because it was Atlanta's first championship since the Braves in 95. That was a very special team. Joseph Martinez was the MLS MVP He was the Golden Boot winner, the All-Star Game MVP. 
He had a very special season. He was the fastest player in MLS history to score 100 goals. And he was the staple of Atlanta United. And he played for Atlanta United for five seasons. And now he's going to enter Miami. Joseph Martinez was a special player. He could have played overseas in the Premier League. He could have played in Bundesliga. He could have played in La Liga. But he chose to stay with Atlanta United and play in the MLS. And at one time, Joseph Martinez was the best player in Major League Soccer. He led Atlanta United in their expansion year in 2017 to the playoffs. An MLS Cup in 2018. 2019, Atlanta made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then in the beginning of 2020, he had a devastating injury that kept him out for the entire 2020 season, which was shortened by COVID. And that's when Atlanta United's downfall started happening. Now, Atlanta United did come back and make the playoffs in 2021. But after failing to make the playoffs in 2022 and the injuries piling up to Joseph Martinez, we all knew that the end was inevitable. Joseph Martinez was the face of the franchise, including one of the most recognizable faces in the city of Atlanta. When you think of the greatest franchise player for all the Atlanta sports teams, I'd put him up there with Chipper Jones and the Braves. Now Trey Young and the Hawks, Matt Ryan and the Falcons. If you're a hockey fan, Ilya Kovalchuk and the Atlanta Thrashers. Joseph Martinez's jersey sales were widely popular in Atlanta, and he is truly going to be missed. I don't know how Atlanta United can recover from this. They're not a very well-run organization, and Joseph Martinez was the glue that held this together for the first three years of the franchise. I will talk Major League Soccer on this show. Atlanta United does take on the San Jose Earthquakes on Saturday, February 25th, at the Mercedes-Benz season. So, as a soccer announcer, you know I'm going to talk Major League Soccer. I'll also talk Premier League. I'll talk Bundesliga. We've had some great leagues through the entire aspect of soccer. And this is also debut of St. Louis City SC. That is one of the Major League Soccer teams. I believe Albert Pujols is one of the owners. But don't worry, I'm going to talk Major League Soccer here on this show. It's just going to be hard to see Atlanta United play soccer without Joseph Martinez. Hey, the Columbus State baseball team and softball team will be in action in February. I will make sure to talk Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars baseball and softball here on the show. And also the LaGrange Panthers and Lady Panthers softball team. But I tell you, Columbus State and LaGrange just made an impressive run last year as Columbus State was so close to making it to the D2 College World Series. LaGrange was able to make it to the D3 College World Series. And so I've reached out to Allie Kerr, the Sports Information Director at Columbus State, and expressed interest in filling in for Columbus State baseball or softball when needed. I took a look at the schedule. I know I have a military obligation, and I might even have some obligations calling the Rapids. But if she needs me, I will make myself available because calling baseball and softball is really my strength when it comes to play-by-play announcing because of the experience I got 
when I was at Freed Harbin University being the primary baseball announcer. And we did call some softball games. We called the important softball games. We didn't call a full season, but we did call one of the games where Freed Harbin was taking on their longtime rival, Union University, and it was a huge game for playoff implications. But softball is just like baseball. I could call play-by-play for softball just as good as calling play-by-play for baseball. And I like to keep myself available for high school baseball as well, especially when we get into the playoffs. But I'm putting that out here on the show, that I want to call baseball play-by-play. That has been a dream of mine. So yeah, there you go. I put that out there. All right, I admit, I spent the first 15 minutes of this show talking about everything but football. But this is a huge week. The divisional playoff games are this week, and I'm actually going to go in order. I'm going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs because that takes place at 4.30 on NBC on Saturday. Chiefs are favored by 8.5. Look, it's going to be ugly. I think the Kansas City Chiefs roll. I mean, Andy Reid's record when he comes off a bye is incredible. And Jacksonville is only in the playoffs because the Titans decided to give up on the season when they fired their GM. I mean, they started 7-3, and and they finished 7-10. and And the Jacksonville Jaguars, they win a playoff game because of the incompetency with the Los Angeles Chargers blowing that 27-0 lead. There's really nothing special about the Jacksonville Jaguars. They do have some good players. Trevor Lawrence, he was shaky. He threw four picks against the Chargers. Travis Etienne, and he missed all of last season. He's a good running back. They don't have an elite number one wide receiver. They do have a bunch of number twos. I think they gave up way too much money for Christian Kirk. Zay Jones is a good number three wide receiver. I think this is going to be Patrick Mahomes making a play and Kansas City controlling the game. Kansas City might even run the football And they have a very underrated defense with Chris Jones and Frank Clark. They're not the Super Bowl defense that won it all in 2020. I'm just going to come out and say it right there. But the stability of Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy as the OC, and now they added Matt Nagy as a quarterback's coach, and they still have Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, all these coaches, like Steve Spagnuolo has been a coach before in this league, an NFL head coach. The Kansas City Chiefs have a great ownership group. They have, this is going to be their only game at Arrowhead because if they do face Buffalo, that is going to be at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. I think that that is the right move. I think that Kansas City is going to go back to the AFC Championship once again. What would that be, six in a row now? Absolutely. That would be at least five or six in a row. i got to go back into the record books and see Kansas City. Yeah, exactly, because they lost to the Patriots at home. If D. Ford was not offside, I think the Kansas City Chiefs win that game and they go to the Super Bowl. So that was the year that the Patriots won the Super Bowl in 2019 when it was in Atlanta and they beat the Los Angeles Rams. So 2020, the Kansas City Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. The next game is between the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. The big question mark for the Eagles is the health of Jalen Hurts. It looks like he is going to play. The Eagles are favored by 7.5. Is Lane Johnson going to play? Because I think if Lane Johnson plays, the Eagles can run the football. It is hard to beat a team 
three times in the regular season. And the Giants are really just doing it with smoke and mirrors. Is Daniel Jones really a good quarterback? Or I think it's the success of Brian Dable. And is he not coach of the year? Look at the turmoil that the Giants have had after Tom Coughlin left. Here's their head coaches. Ben McAdoo. In fact, he was coaching in that 2016 season when Odell Beckham Jr. was in Miami with that picture on the boat, and they just came out flat against the Green Bay Packers. Had a very good team in 2016. Ben McAdoo was the head coach. He gets fired. Pat Shermer comes in. Remember, he was the hot coordinator from Minnesota. He gets fired. Then Joe Judge, hey, a Belichick disciple coming in. Maybe he could fix this Giants team. He gets fired. Do you think it might be the distraction of Odell Beckham Jr. and when they traded him away, they didn't have an elite number one wide receiver. They picked Saquon Barkley in the draft when there were quarterbacks available. They get Daniel Jones when he wasn't even projected to be a top 10 NFL pick. And Dave Gettleman, their GM, really mess this up, but the Giants have some good pieces. They have Kayvon Thibodeau. I think that he's had a great season. Dexter Lawrence, he has been a top defensive player for the Giants. And Leonard Williams, you know, they got him over in a trade from the Jets. The Giants have a pretty good defense. They got some pretty good pieces on the offensive line. Saquon Barkley is one of the best running backs, but come on, you're talking about going into Philly, which they are capable of winning, but the Philadelphia Eagles... That is going to be the big story is their health. But the Eagles just have weapons. Jalen Hurts was having an MVP season before he got hurt. And the Eagles have a talented wide receiver duo of A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. And remember, they have Dallas Goddard. They're running backs with Boston and Miles Sanders. I think the Eagles will win this game, but it might be a little bit closer. And the Eagles will host the NFC Championship game next week. Now let's move on to the Bills and the Bengals in Buffalo. This is a rematch of that Monday night football game that ended abruptly because of the DeMar Hamlin injury. Look, Buffalo is a very flawed team, but right now everybody is rooting for the Buffalo Bills because of DeMar Hamlin. Hamlin comes back. He's in the building. He's been an inspiration to everybody in that locker room. I think that Buffalo is going to play off that emotion and they are going to get the victory over the Bengals. They're going to clean up some of the mess they had against the Dolphins because that was a very well-coached team with the Dolphins. The Bengals' offensive line is banged up. And if the Bengals can't run the football, it's going to cause Joe Burrow to get into a shootout. But it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a shootout between Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. And because the Bills are playing at home, I think that Buffalo wins. And then that sets up a Bills-Chiefs AFC Championship in Atlanta next week. Wow, that's going to be exciting. All right, the moment you've all been waiting for. Yes, I will probably spend the remainder of this show before Jenny gets on talking about the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. Look, I've had plenty of time to analyze this game. 49ers are favored by four. Look, I had to rewatch that wild card game last year when the 49ers won 23 to 17 in Dallas. 49ers are better than that team last year. 
Dallas might be the same team as they were last year. Remember, Dallas doesn't have Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper scored a touchdown in that game. Dallas came out flat in that game, and the 49ers did what they did best. They ran the football. Jimmy Garoppolo was playing in that game. He was banged up. The 49ers could not put that game away, and Dallas came back. And if it wasn't for poor clock management by head coach Mike McCarthy, maybe the Cowboys have one last play and they win on a Hail Mary, 24-23, to but that's not the case. This game has been in the back of the Cowboys' mind, and the Cowboys are going to be hungry. They are going to be ready. The way they beat the Buccaneers, I think that Dallas has a lot of momentum. Let's throw out the whole them playing on a short week. I know they got to travel all the way to San Francisco, but Dallas is a different team on grass compared to being in Jerry World on that turf. But the 49ers haven't really played a great team during this 11-game win streak. As much as I am a believer in Brock Purdy, and I think that Brock Purdy has had an amazing season so far. He's been the story of the league. What if Dallas rattles him to a point where he throws four picks? He has one of his worst games in his career. This is how the Dallas Cowboys are going to win this game. But look, if you want to break down the matchups, on paper, the 49ers have the best roster in the NFL. They have the number one defense. They have the best pass rusher, Nick Bosa. They have the best middle linebacker, Fred Warner. Their secondary is probably inferior to the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys have a little bit better secondary. And the Cowboys probably have the best outside linebacker, Micah Parsons. But this is a good matchup for the 49ers. I don't think this is going to be a defensive matchup. I think this could be a shootout between Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. The big question mark is, if the Dallas Cowboys cannot run the football with Ezekiel Elliott or Tony Pollard, can the Dallas Cowboys still win this game with Dak Prescott's arm? Now, Dak can get outside the pocket. I think that the Dallas offensive line has got to stop the four-man rush that the Cowboys are going to face. But does defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans get distracted after having four interviews for head coaching positions this week? I mean, come on. Do the 49ers come out with some blitz packages? Because what if the Dallas Cowboys offensive line holds up? Is Jason Peters going to play? I mean, there are so many question marks. I watched that game between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers were bad. They were absolutely bad, and the Cowboys just dismantled the Buccaneers. But this is a different team that they're playing. They're playing a 49ers team going across country to Santa Clara. It is going to be a road game on grass. Say what you want about the rivalry, because the rivalry is fascinating. I mean, when Jenny gets on the show, we're going to talk about that rivalry and and what it means to me, and i got a lot of friends and family who are Cowboys fans, and if the Cowboys do win on Sunday, I am not going to live that down for an entire year. But we do have bragging rights from the 49ers beating the Cowboys last year in the playoffs, and that is what caused all those crying Cowboy memes, which are absolutely hilarious. It made it all worthwhile after that game. But now, a year later, It's the 49ers and Cowboys once again, this time in San Francisco. The 49ers are better than that team last year. I'm just going to come out and say it. Christian McCaffrey, he might be the best running back in football. And he has been their primary offensive weapon. 
Debo Samuel is healthy. And Brandon Ayuk. They got Jawan Jennings. They got the best wide receiver trio in all of football. The Cowboys have C.D. Lamb. He's a great wide receiver. I think he's going to get a lot of yardage because they might match C.D. Lamb up with Chavarius Ward or Deomne Lenore. And you just got to hope that maybe the 49ers can get a pick. If Dak Prescott throws a pick, I think that the 49ers win the game. The Cowboys have to play a perfect game to win this game. I'm just going to come out and say it. And if the 49ers don't make any mistakes, then I think the 49ers win this game. I don't think the 49ers win this game handily. I think it might be a close game in the fourth quarter. If it is a close game in the fourth quarter, it might favor the Cowboys because Dak Prescott, who is the oldest quarterback left in the divisional round, has all that experience, in-game experience, and he has learned his lesson from last year with the clock management. Dak Prescott is the type of quarterback can lead his team from a comeback. Do the 49ers get a big lead and they just play conservative? I actually don't think Brock Purdy is that type of quarterback. I think that Brock Purdy can take chances. He can roll to the outside of the pocket. He finds the open receiver. And if Brock Purdy plays like he did last week, I think the 49ers win without a problem. But if he plays like a rookie, I think Dallas wins the game. That is going to be the matchup. You could take the running game out of it. It Can the 49ers run the ball on Dallas? I think that Dallas could have some success running the football against the 49ers D-line, but it is going to be a battle of two amazing, historic NFL franchises. And as much as I just can't stand the Seahawks, and I was so happy the 49ers beat the Seahawks last week, the Dallas Cowboys is just one of those teams that I just I get tired of watching Undisputed and seeing Skip Bayless just pump his chest about how great the Dallas Cowboys are. I love it when Stephen A. Smith gets on first take and completely rips the Dallas Cowboys because the Cowboys fans, they are a mixed bunch. They can be humble. It's like, look, uh, the expectations are we want to go to the Super Bowl. If the Cowboys win and they make it to the NFC Championship, I think there's no question they beat the Eagles and they represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I think it because they haven't been that far, and I think that that would be the expectations for all the Cowboys fans. If the 49ers beat the Cowboys, some Cowboys fans might say, well, the 49ers were just the better team. But let's go all the way back to 1993, shall we? The San Francisco 49ers were 14-2 and that year. Steve Young just took over for Joe Montana. Remember, Joe Montana won a Monday night football game against the Detroit Lions. But the 49ers were 14-2. and They were looking great. They were taking on the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, in soggy Candlestick Park. The Dallas Cowboys, 13-3. and They had this tandem of Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones. And they had the triplets with Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and Emmitt Smith. And the 49ers came out. Jerry Rice with a touchdown, 7-0, but wait, it was being called back on a holding penalty. Dallas Cowboys won that game 30-20, and then we get the phenomenon of the Dallas Cowboys and the dynasty that won three Super Bowls. But the 49ers, they took it personal after losing to the Cowboys in the 94 NFC Championship game, you know, the 1993 season. I did not expect the 49ers to be there because... They had a very disappointing regular season, but they destroyed the Giants 44-6. to I remember Ricky Waters had five touchdowns. And the Cowboys 
Troy Aikman was out in that game. Bertie Kozar comes in in relief. The Cowboys still won 38-21, and they go on to win their second straight Super Bowl. The 94 season was different. The 49ers ended up getting Ken Norton from the Cowboys. They end up getting Deion Sanders from the Falcons. They pretty much bought their team on the defensive side of the ball, and they were able to beat the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC Championship, it was in 1995, but it was the 94 season. And they went out to that big 28 to nothing lead. And the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers, they were the two teams in the 90s. And then not until the Packers came on the scene with Brett Favre. But I do miss that rivalry. It is a little bit renewed, especially since these two teams are playing in back-to-back years in the postseason. And I just want to see these two teams play more in the regular season as well. I'm super excited about that game. And really, that's the only game I'm really paying attention to this weekend. Uh, I got stuff I got to do Saturday. I might just check the score on my phone. But that is going to be the game. 6.30 on Fox in front of my TV watching the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to make a prediction here on the show. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm going to eat crow on Monday. I promise you that. I'll be talking about how much I whiffed, but I believe the 49ers are going to win. But as much as I think it could be a blowout if the 49ers play their A game, because if George Kittle gets open in the flat, if Debo Samuel is just running wild all over the field, if Brock Purdy is the quarterback that I think that he could be, I think the 49ers win by at least two touchdowns. But let's be real for a second, all right? I actually think that it's going to be a lot closer than people expect. I think it's going to be a one-score game. But I think it comes down to the kicker, Robbie Gould, knock on wood. I'm not trying to jinx him. He has not missed a field goal in the postseason. Brett Maurer, who the Cowboys are sticking with, this could come down to a field goal The Cowboys could line up for a potential game-winning field goal and Brett Maurer could miss it, or Robbie Gold could try to attempt a field goal to make it. But I just think the 49ers are a four-point favorite. They have the home field advantage, but the the projection on ESPN says that the Cowboys have a 53.2% chance of winning the game. I don't know where they're getting that number from. But the only thing that really worries me is... This is the best team that the 49ers have faced since they faced the Kansas City Chiefs back when the Chiefs beat them 44-23 and they put the 49ers at a 3-4 record. This 49ers team, 11-game win streak, they are the hottest team in football right now. And I think the 49ers get the victory. I'm going to say San Francisco 24, Dallas 21. I don't have my producer, Lee Snow, to insert the hip-hop horn like he does on the live show that we do on Tuesday nights. But yeah, if I had a hip-hop horn, I'd go ahead and do that right after that. But uh, anyway, oh, we've had such a fun show. I'm really excited about what 2023 has to offer in the world of sports, not just Colin Rapids and Lions and high school football, but also talking about the XFL, the USFL, Masters, college basketball. I'm going to cover it all here on this show. And I just want to let everybody know just to stay informed. 
I do plan on having more guests on the show. You know, sometimes I do a show where I don't have a guest and I'm just talking by myself. And that's cool. You know, either or. I like having guests on the show. It actually gives a little bit of a different flavor, a different opinion when it comes to sports. But many of you know that I like to just talk sports even without a guest. My goal, which has already been made because I'm privileged to be on this radio station, my goal is to get on local sports talk radio in Columbus five days a week. As much as I love Sports Visions, and DJ Jones and Thrift Behringer do a great job on Mondays and Thursdays, there is a missing void for not having local sports talk five days a week in Columbus. They used to, right before the pandemic. I listened to Bam and Reggie Reg. Before that, I was listening to the Sports Zone with Stephen Williams. Before that, there was the press box with Bobby Z. And even though I've had Bobby Z on the show, I mean... I hate to admit this, I've never listened to his show, which I feel bad because I've had three out of his four guests on his show here on the podcast to include Tyler Redman, Thrift Behringer, and Jonathan Shushke. You all know him as Buckets. Still, it's a big fish, but I'm still working on trying to get Josh Pate. I know that that is going to be pretty much the moon. I've already got Jake Crane. I mean, if I could get Jake Crane on this show, surely I could get Josh Pate on this show. But that will do it for me. Well, that's it. That is my show. You know, I've been doing this show for almost three years. I've had over 540 episodes. This show is the real deal. And I cannot thank Ryan O'Neill, the station manager at WQEE, more than enough For him discovering me, giving me an opportunity, and being on the air, I'm just so blessed that I'm on this station Monday through Friday from 2 to 3. So stay tuned for Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. You don't want to miss it. That will do it for me. I want to thank all my listeners who have downloaded the podcast, liked and subscribed to my social media. I hope that everybody has a great rest of your day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.